Hello there and welcome to Thought Architecture. My name is Justin and I'm your host for today. I'm taking you through the wonderful pathway of complexity. So this show, the whole goal of this particular uh, audio series is to basically spell out the idea that simplicity is one solution. It is not the only solution. And so more often than not, good information comes along and we're like, oh, no, it's not simple enough. I'm not going to use it. And, you know, uh, people like Tony Robbins or whoever, they'll capitalize on this idea of simplicity where, oh, it's very simple. Just do this, do this, do this, and your life is going to be better. Personal training, just do this, do this, do this, and you'll have a great body. Uh, Eating rights, just do this, do this, do this, and you'll be healthy. But life isn't that simple. Our body, our mind, these are complex mechanisms. And they require complex solutions as well. And not just complex, but personalized. And so let's talk about this for a second. There are some basic rules and mechanics that we need to observe. We need to then observe the particular personal context that you find yourself in. And usually then describing what's your vector to be able to get to a goal. So let's say if your personal context and the mechanics are mixed together and it turns out that you are... Uh, shooting yourself in the foot every single time you are triggered in business meetings, whatever the case may be. That doesn't matter unless you want to change. And so seeing a pathway from where you are right now, an observation of where you are to a future place, where you want to be. Okay, so if you're fat and you want to get thin, cool, an observation of the mechanics. Do you know what the mechanics are that govern your body and govern, for example, like trimming down? Great. All right. So then do you know why you gained weight? Like what were the mechanics behind that? And then finally, so now that we know your personal context as well, as in what's your motivation, your reasoning, what are the foods you respond to and don't respond to as well, then we get a vector. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Do you want to just lose weight or do you want to be healthier and lose weight? Like what are your top goals? Usually everyone wants everything, but there's other things that are more of a priority you know, to you. And so that can help us determine first goals, second goals, third goals. Um, Some things that we need, we need to be able to stack goals on top of each other. For example, if I want to do a handstand push-up, it's a good place to work first on, can I hold a handstand? You know, great. Or if my goal is a freestanding handstand push-up, well then, can I balance a handstand first? Do I have the strength to do a handstand push-up against the wall first? And then, can I put it together? And so being able to prioritize. So again, coming back to this idea, one of my favorite ideas, it's sequencing and hierarchy. Can you differentiate between what needs to come first, second, and third? And what is more important to you? What's your priority? So, okay, so if we're looking at all these things, let's kick into today's audio. So today, I'm going to go through something that's called uh, fractionating, okay? And the very simple point is to say that the human brain is a marvelous thing and more and more we either get into one pattern or another either the pattern of oversimplification or the pattern of overcomplicating things one of the interesting things is that there's a theory of intelligence which is uh, fluid intelligence versus crystallized intelligence and the idea is that crystallized intelligence increases no matter what you do with the more time you spend on earth you are just going to increase your crystallized intelligence your knowledge of facts and figures and things like that it'll just go up because you have more experience with the world 
uh, compared to an eight-year-old. Right, great. Fluid intelligence is much more of an adaptive intelligence. And it's the idea that you can take all your pre-established beliefs, throw them out the window and learn something new. Okay, to overwrite an existing pattern. And for good reason, neurologically speaking, we can't do this after like the age of 20 when our brain locks into its final kind of development neurologically. Okay, so young people tend to have much more adaptive minds than older people. That being said, it is a muscle, a muscle that you can train. And so knowing if you are the type to oversimplify things, well, then give it some chance to complicate things as well. You know, go into complicated matters and try and seek out things that have a lot more nuance. Um, even if you can't, take something that you truly believe to be simple and separate it out into two or three different parts. And that's what fracturate, uh, sorry, fractionating is, or fracturization. It's literally the, the idea of pulling things apart and fracturing them so they become smaller parts, right? teasing them apart. I like to call it deconstruction. Now, the brain doesn't actually need um, either one of these skills to be you know, overdeveloped. What the brain and the studies suggest the brain responds to is the ability to flip between the two, something I like to call cognitive agility, your ability to flip between a simple answer, a simple solution, and a much more complex understanding of things. So it, it helps you to understand this in terms of ratios or perhaps a sequence. Something as simple as, if I want to learn a language, researching and understanding the grammar, the vocab, all of that kind of stuff, there's a deconstruction element, an understanding, a seeking to understand and research and read element. And then after that, there's the simple solution of you need to do it. You need to behave with this language. You need to do repetitions, uh, a volume of repetitions. And so, very simply put, there's the deconstruction phase and then a reconstruction phase. And it just so happens that all of this works with memory anyway. Okay. So now that I'm saying this, I want you to think about your life and all the solutions that you have with regard to how you understand politics, polite society. Anytime that you say the word should and shouldn't is a pretty simple effective answer. And breaking down the shoulds and shouldn'ts allows you to get to complexity. And every time you say it depends, that's where we can come up with simple solutions as in a guiding north star, something to be able to give us um, an orientation you know, to say, okay, well, I don't know, it does depend on the situation, but I think if we just act in this particular way, we're more, more likely than not to be, you know, in a good place. So the very simple idea is that we can fluctuate between these two um, mental states, the state of making things complex, and then bundling it all up and making it simple. Now, there's another way that you can think about this instead of taking a cake as a whole and then dividing it up and having one piece of a cake. You can see that what I've done is I've actually sectioned off the cake and a slice of cake is smaller than a big piece of cake. And so what you can actually do is think about it like zooming in and zooming out. So I want you to look at like Google Earth as your full zoom out. You're looking at the globe spinning and then you start zooming into country, to the area within the country, to the street, to the house to the table, to the cake, to the slice of cake, and then within the cake itself. And your ability to layer all of these things is actually uh, a form of near and far-sightedness with a brain and with understanding a topic. 
Like, can you understand politics in general? Can you understand specific state politics or regional politics? And then local politics, local governments, um, social politics in your little social group, etc. There's a there's a broad range that you can do these kind of transfer effects. So in one of the previous audios, I talked about near and trans and far transfer effect. And very simply put, it's the idea that you can have a direct transfer from the development of a skill or an indirect transfer, something that it's suspected that it's there, but um, you can't necessarily directly call it a connection. And so the idea of building things up into singular organisms or breaking them down into their uh, component parts, this is a skill for you to be able to utilize and say, well, this is too simple. Let's add other simple elements together and make it a system. The system is too complex. Let's break it down to try and understand its interactions. And that right there is one of the best ways to approach um, learning, to approach misunderstandings, and to approach uh, the, the model of uh, context that I use as well with my clients. So let me give you, let me give an idea of this model of context. And I'll come, I'll loop back to this, but let me introduce it. So I tend to identify clients on three cases, okay? Case number one is the idea of resiliency. Case number two is then adaptability. Case number three is then transcendence. So if you look up the definition of the word resiliency or to be resilient, everybody uses that word, but can you actually define what the word resilient means? Okay, think about it. What pictures does it conjure up? So I'm going to put a picture in your head. Have you ever seen those children's punching bags? Typically, they're weighted at the bottom. They look like a clown. And you punch them, and they'll pop right back up. Okay? That right there is the model of resiliency. Your ability to cover from some kind of trauma or chaos in your life and come back to the place where you started. That is resiliency that you can bounce back. But there's nothing in there about changing who you are around the external environment. So let's say you're like Homer Simpson in that one episode of The Simpsons, he became a professional boxer because someone noticed that he could just stand there and be hit a lot until the other guy is just so exhausted. So that's exactly what resiliency is. You can take a punch and remain unchanged or recover very quickly. That is resiliency, okay? The second one is adaptability. So if we're going for the Homer metaphor, imagine instead of Homer just standing there taking punches, Homer starts learning how to dodge punches, how to throw a jab to keep distance, and he starts developing his skills so that he doesn't take punches, so that he moves around punches. That is adaptability. Your ability to modify your behaviors depending on the, the environmental cues and the context around you. The third one is then transcendence. So a good example of this is, <laughs> I want you to imagine, uh, a, you know, if you've seen those TikTok videos or Instagram reels or whatever it is, maybe your friends shared a video of a kid being absolutely, you know, frightened by their own shadow and then starting to lose their mind because they can't get rid of their shadow. They can't run away from their shadow. Okay, so... This very simple concept, um, resiliency, how quickly can that child recover from a state of absolute stress to zero, to being happy again, let's say. 
adaptability, teaching that child to predict when they're going to do that and maybe just like calm themselves down beforehand, you know, to avert something, avert disaster before it happens. Like, oh, if you see your shadow, close your eyes, you know, don't freak out, close your eyes and go into a place inside. You won't see your shadow anymore. Oh, okay. That's a good, good strategy for adaptation, change your behavior. Now, the third case, transcendence, is the idea that as you grow up, you start to understand, A, the shadow is not a threat. You understand the mechanics of the shadow, and so it was nothing to be worried about in the first place anyway. And then, you know, C, you could potentially use this concept of light casting shadow to, you know, to create money, to do whatever the case, uh, whatever it is that suits your purposes. Maybe you just leave it alone. But the idea is that as your mind progresses, you transcend issues through whatever means. Perhaps you create um, the ability to transcend things through money, status, power, etc. Through emotional development, social development, cognitive development. These are usually the better ones. There was this idea that somebody said, it was quite interesting on the Joe Rogan podcast, they were talking about it, where as a person immediately when they become famous, it's like their, their emotional development becomes stunted. It's like they're frozen in carbonite. And that's who they are because they become so insulated and the need to develop is thrown out the window. So <laughs> one of my favorites was Julia Roberts not understanding what Twitter was for or DMX not understanding how the internet works. And if you think about it, they became famous long before the need for any of this technology came around or the ability to access any of this technology came around. So, of course, they've got some lackey who's going to do it for them, you know, some personal assistant who's going to do it for them. So their ability to transcend these needs, it's very low because you need to be able to, number one, recognize what is stressing you out and therefore I need to become more resilient against this thing. I need to adapt to this thing and then eventually once my skills are high enough, I will transcend this thing. So this is this model of resiliency, adaptability, and transcendence. So when I'm working with a client, my first goal is to understand where are they. A resiliency client is not going to want a complex answer. They're going to want very defined, strategic, simple solutions to their problem. Okay. Once they're in a place of calm, we can start developing skills, knowledge, mindsets to give them a bit more confidence, they gather their strength and they start doing their own types of controlled stresses before big, you know, authentic stresses come along. They start simulating their stresses and that makes them a lot more adaptable. They can predict how they're going to feel. They've exercised um, behaviors and behavioral changes to be able to deal with it better. So instead of it affecting them to an extreme degree, it affects them much less. And so they start to become a lot more confident. So that is the adaptability clients. The third type of clients is the clients who can do all of this already. They've got the skills for resiliency, adaptability, etc. But it's um, coming from this place of they want a mindset that is going to give them the ability to transcend a lot of these ideas. So the mindset of like, well, which, which uh, workout program is the best? Well, a mindset of I will dedicate at least an hour a day to my body. No matter if I'm in recovery from the day because I had a heavy weighted session the day before or you know anything like that well i'm going to dedicate 20 minutes to my breath i'm going to dedicate 20 minutes 
to um, shaking my body loose and just you know feeling it and being comfortable 20 minutes to maybe just dancing around and just enjoying my body so dedicating 20 minutes a day to this type of thing you know feeling your body in certain stretching positions so this is one example of a transcendence mindset where well it doesn't matter what program you pick if you dedicate an hour a day to your body if you understand it like that you're going to gain mastery eventually let's say if you start from nothing you can't do one pull-up and your goal is mastery of the ring muscle up and you have no uh, timeline attached to that goal but you've got this idea of i will dedicate an hour a day to it to my body so you're only training the actual like say ring muscle up once maybe twice a week and you're dividing it up into skills work and muscle work you're fracturing the the skill down into smaller component parts breaking it down then you're going to achieve mastery of this thing because your knowledge in those particular cases of the movement and the strength is going to increase over time and that's an example of a transcendence mindset so the same can be said for self-development people who say oh it's all about love no it's not there are some people out there that love won't solve the issue borders boundaries practicing the hard nose things like that you know you try say no to a child when they've had too much chocolate already you know it's going to upset them and you're going to need to put up a boundary and it doesn't come from a place of non-love it comes from a place of i want to protect you from yourself because right now you can't make the right decisions there's a lot to be said in that about how we treat um, what our attitudes are towards children towards teenagers towards adults towards friends family uh, acquaintances colleagues and so you have to be able to establish what is the context so once again just looping backwards the context uh, solution that I usually look for in clients is resiliency adaptability and transcendence okay and usually this this comes with this idea of how do they understand a topic you know what is their mental sightedness are they nearsighted are they farsighted and so I will take it on those points of like, do they see the whole system or are they seeing just a part of the system? Are they focusing on the parts where they should be looking at the whole, the holistic system integrated into a context? Or are they dividing it down into all the small pieces? So think about this like learning a language. Most people will learn um, pronunciation of one word at a time or they will learn huge shopping lists of vocabulary, just one word at a time, one word at a time. And that's focusing on, focusing on the parts. That is one part of language learning, absolutely. But we can actually learn better, faster, more efficient by learning groups of words. Well, how big is the group, you ask? Well, it depends on the person's working memory and what is a comfortable chunk size for that person in that language. Some people, if they are language learners, they will be able to handle very big chunks even in a new language, whereas a very new language learner will only be able to hold very small chunks at the beginning. And maybe even towards the end of that, that particular language, as they gain proficiency, that, that working memory hasn't actually increased that much as compared to someone who is a professional language learner. So there are these differences in working memories. Great, and that in, informs us, well, how much can they do? What are the best skills to focus on? What's the arrangement? But if a person just says, I'm going to dedicate 30 minutes a day to learning this language no matter where it comes from they're going to eventually transcend the need for learning grammar learning vocabulary doing this doing that because straight up the amount of time that they spend in that language 
the consistency and effort is going to be great. There's no such thing as wasted effort. There's just less efficient and more efficient effort. So very simply put, um, coming back to it, it's again this nearsightedness or farsightedness and being able to play on those different levels. How many pieces? So I want you to think about if you could fracture um, something down into its smallest size and then as a system as a whole, how big is it? And then create one more level in between that. That's a good starting place. So let's say I can break a cake up into crumbs, like hundreds and thousands of crumbs, and then I've got the entire cake, and then perhaps I could even say, fine, 10 slices if I slice the cake correctly. So that being said, all of this should give you some ideas on how you can uh, stay frosty, quote unquote, with anything that's connected with your mind. Usually we become crystallized in certain patterns of thinking, Okay, so we can identify these patterns with keywords, become aware of it with ourselves, shoulds, it depends, etc. Um, we can then also stay frosty, as it were, with our minds by looking at things as a system, what its parts of a whole or its compart uh, component parts of an entire system. And so being, evil, uh, being able to identify these parts helps you to create a hierarchy. Oh, this is a much important part than this one. And sequence them. This part, this part is much more important as a first step. And then as a second step, it would be this other part. So all of that being said, this is how we can construct our mental uh, architecture, our attitudes. What we want to do is step one of change is introduce skills, knowledge, and attitudes. Step two is then going to be, uh, can we use these skills and attitudes when it's called for? Can we use them more frequently? Can we uh, adjust our behavior more regularly? So it's actually habit-based is the second one. And then the third, the third part of change is that we have become this state because the accumulation of all the habits that we've done over a period of years will actually create a new state. So if you want to be the type of person who's constantly happy, breaking it down into, oh, well, these are happiness uh, practices that people do. Okay, so that skills, knowledge, attitudes, great. Practice them for a period of time, you will change your state. But once again, I don't believe in happiness. I don't think it's a real thing. Um, you cannot give me a definition of happiness. A lot of the, uh, I challenge you. To give me a definition of how I'm, hope, I'm open to uh, challenging it myself. Maybe I'm looking at parts of a whole. Um, but, you know, as in the last audio, breaking down the emotions into component parts, you actually see that there isn't one part called happiness. And when we put them all together, there isn't also going to be a part called happiness. You know, it's a very vague term. And I can give you at least, you know, two varieties of happiness. Um, so it's quite interesting and perhaps we can talk about that in the next podcast. Do let me know uh, what you would like to hear more about. Um, you know, this podcast is just meant to be a um, little food for thought for you on your way to work, walking around while you're in the gym, whatever it needs to be uh, between 20 and 30 minutes. Perfect. And very, very simply put, um, this can go in any direction because the mind and how the mind operates goes in any direction. So literally talking about it with 
exercise, how you adapt to stress in um, an exercise setting, um, be it ice baths, saunas, etc. What are the merits of these types of things? We can talk about emotional um, cues and the research that's gone into them. Um, there's there's a whole lot of stuff, critical thinking, as well as like the biases and all these types of effects. Um, yes, let me know. What do you think? For now, I'll stop here. My name is Justin, and this is Thought Architecture.